The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. The Balls and Strikes podcast is brought to you by Elkhorn Training Camp. Let's have some fun and play ball. Here's your host, Tom Oldham. All right, welcome back to the Balls and Strikes podcast. Today, we are going to be talking pitching at the youth level, probably because we like to talk about pitching. We're probably going to talk about uh, at the high school, college level as well. Um, But I am joined once again by Coach Alex Hale and Coach John Oltman. Guys, thanks for joining today. You bet. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about pitching, all right, and we're going to talk about the types of pitchers that we first that we want first and then we're going to start to um, get into more of the technical aspects of, of pitching um, to kind of set the stage for listeners um, john coaches at the high school level alex coaches high school so freshman right freshman travel I have team the freshman this year now yeah i had to just get in with my my guys who are 22 so they're just they're graduating this year sending them off into and the, off to college now and i am coaching my son's nine-year-old team next year. So we have kind of the whole gamut here in terms of, uh, you know, different levels. And if you guys don't mind, I will start us off by talking about at the youth level, specifically young, youngest youth levels, I am looking for guys that can throw strikes. Um, the youth level specifically at the, you know, eight, nine, 10 year old, um, level being able to command the baseball is so incredibly important because otherwise games take forever. It, it makes, you know, guys, infielders, outfielders get bored. If you're, you know, just walking guys and, and, uh, really slows the, the pace of the game down. But in order to do that, one of the things that I talk to younger guys about is, really just focusing on two things when they're on the mound, the pitch and the location where at the youth level, a lot of times they get really, really nervous because all eyes are on them. They're on the bump. All eyes are on them. The the last thing that they're thinking about is actually what they're supposed to be doing. It's, Oh, where's mom in the stands? Oh my gosh, this hitter looks like he's 12 and I'm only nine. Um, I don't feel very good. It's really hot out. So a lot of those distractions come into play and we try to really focus with guys on whenever you hit the pitching rubber, think about that as a reset button and it's resetting what you're thinking about. So whether the last pitch went good or it went bad, it doesn't matter. You're hitting that reset button each time you hit on, get on the mound. And now you're resetting your thought to what am I throwing? Where am I throwing it? It's all you care about as a pitcher. And I think you can make an argument that that really translates into, you know, youth ball all the way up to pro ball, but um, getting that point across to them at a young age, I think is important. So when you guys are thinking about the pitchers on your team, what types of pitchers are you, are you looking for? For me, I always like to start with guys that are just willing to compete. Um, you know, we can, there's always like mechanical things to work on. There's always ways to make pitches better. Um, and kids are always, are always looking for those things. 
too. Like they always want to improve in those areas. But I need guys who are just going to go up there and attack hitters. They're going to work ahead in counts, and they're just going to do whatever it takes um, to help their team be successful. Because I just feel like there's like kind of like what you mentioned. It's like at the youth level, there's kids that they get nervous and they're unsure of themselves. They're not confident. All eyes are on them, and you know you're going to be put in some tough situations. You know where you got to you got to make a pitch and you got to execute. And I need to find guys who are willing to do that and that really thrive in those in those situations. Um, and you know. I would try to help them find what their competitive mindset is because it's kind of different for everybody. You know, I'll show them like different pictures of guys. Like I'll show them Max Scherzer. You know, he's yelling at he's yelling at hitters while he's up there pitching. You know, or like someone like uh, Corey Kluber or Matt Harvey who are like really calm and collected. You know, and they're you know they're not yelling and screaming. It looks like nothing phases them. They're always, they're just stone faced the entire time. And then maybe they're like a Trevor Bauer who's like kind of happy go lucky. You know, he's he's fiery, but he's also kind of like happy-go-lucky at the same time, kind of weird. Um, so I, I just really try and focus on who are guys that will compete and then try to help them figure out what mindset helps them compete and be the most successful. I like that. Alex, what about you? Um, I think – sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, what type of pitcher do you like to have on your team? Anybody who can understand – that pitching is changing speeds and locating is part of changing speeds is going to have a very good chance of being successful in high school baseball. Um, get, get away from the guys. It's like you want to get away from the guys who are just trying to throw it by everybody because velocity is important, but unless you are in the top echelon of velocity, throwing it by guys after two times through the lineup ain't going to, ain't going to work. I mean, and that's at the top top. So like if you're, if you, we talked about this the other day. If you're if you're an average high school pitcher in the 74 to 76 mile an hour range, 78, whatever, you throwing 80 down the middle is not like worth missing your location that badly. So if you can sit 76 to 78 on the corners, cranking up to 81 to get teed off on is not your best bet. And it's like, well, velocity. It's like, well, yeah, but that's not you know you're not bumping it up to 90. You're bumping it up to 81. So like, stay within yourself. You give me a guy who understands himself, who understands what he has, he's going to be very effective. You give me a guy out there who's scared to get hit, who has to throw a ton of pitches because he doesn't want to miss in the strike zone, and all of a sudden you're, you're in a long game where the defense is falling asleep, got extra base runners out there making things more dangerous, and all of a sudden it's four to nothing in the first inning. And you're like, sweet. That's not, you know, so that's, you want guys to be aggressive. You guys want, you want guys, uh, like he was saying, being, being competitive um, and understanding how to be competitive. I think t- sometimes hitters forget how hard, or pitchers forget how hard hitting is. Like, mm-hmm. we give our guys the example of step into a batting cage, hit the first pitch you see. Probably going to be the hardest pitch to hit. So when a batter steps in for the first time to face you, go right at him. And if, a guy, if you get the first guy out on one pitch, we tell our guys, the next pitch is going right on the middle. If you get him out on two on the next pitch, you got two outs on two pitches. That next pitch is going right down the middle until they hit it. We are trying to get that three four pitch inning, and make them force the issue. Let the pitcher force the issue. Don't sit there and throw ball one, strike ball, strike one, ball two, strike two. Because now they're just getting a chance to see more of your stuff. Go right at them. And so being aggressive, pitching in the zone, and mixing your speeds. That's what that's what I want. Give me that any day of the week, and we'll be in good shape. 
Yeah, I was listening to uh, no. I was listening to Scott Brown. He's the pitching coach at Vanderbilt. Um, he did he was on a video that I was watching the other day, and he was he said the first question he asks his pitchers when they come off the mound, whether it's in a game or after a bullpen, he just says, "Did you pitch with competitiveness?" Because if you don't if you're not pitching with competitiveness, if you're not in that attack mode, then literally nothing else matters. So he's like, I always start with that, and then after that, I move on to was your routine and your preparation on point. And then if those two things are checked, then we move on to how our pitch is moving, what pitches did we throw in what situations, um, did we feel our position well, that sort of thing. But if we don't check the competitive box off first, then literally nothing else matters. And so, you know, that really kind of struck me as like, okay, that's probably first and foremost. And then he always says he defines what competitiveness is for his pitcher. So he says, you know, competitiveness is possession of a strong desire to be more successful than others. Um, it's, or it's the quality of being as good or better than others of a comparable nature. So he defines it for them. He tells them exactly what it is, and he says, okay, did you check that box before anything else? And I think that's really, really important to understand, um, really at any level, whether it's youth, high school, college, pro. That's another no, definition. That's great. That's and another definition I want copied and pasted for me. Is that passion? I'm, that I'm telling you, anytime you hang out with John, you got to bring an outstanding. notebook. Outstanding. Got to bring an notebook. The... Uh, so one one of the things that you just said stood out to me in terms of how how was your routine and your preparation on the mound as coaches how do we how do we enable that good routine and preparation on the mound how do we how do we enable it and also how could we hurt it well I think one thing you have to understand or what players have to understand is there's more downtime in baseball where they have an opportunity to think and reflect than any other sport. So, like, as a pitcher, you know, it takes me two seconds to deliver this baseball, and then I have 15 seconds between for me to think about what I just did and what I need to happen, have happen next. And so I think one thing I always try and do is explain to kids, like, look, you're going to have this downtime, and your, your thoughts are going to be, you know, running rampant, and you can control those thoughts with how you talk to yourself. And so I think, A, explaining that thing, explaining how important your self-talk is, and then providing them with opportunities to practice having good self-talk, being aware of their emotions and how that affects things um, is really, really important. And so just like you said, um, Tom, earlier, is, you know, using the rubber as a reset button, focusing on just pitch and location, keeping things very, very simple um, for kids, especially at younger levels, um, is really helpful in kind of controlling you know, their thoughts and emotions on the mound. And, you know, I'll tie back in some of the other things that we've talked on previous episodes in terms of, you know, when we're talking about the um, catching episode, you were talking about delivering all the communication to the pitcher through the catcher. And as a coach, a lot of times, and then I'll also tie in the hitting aspect, the hitting episode where we talked about a lot of times as a coach in between pitches, you really need to fight the urge to say something. I would say that's very much the same case in terms of how you're coaching pitchers in a game setting. You should have the communication go through the catcher and you should really, really watch what you're saying to the pitcher in during, during the inning, because as soon as you say something to that pitcher, that pitcher is going to turn his attention right to you as the coach. And you want that attention to be very much on how it's going with that catcher, how they're syncing up, um, you know, are they in rhythm together or is there some disconnect that needs to be figured out? 
it's your job as a coach to make sure that the catcher is helping to, um, you know, create that syncing up, so to speak, between the pitcher and the, and the catcher. So that's, that's one of the things, again, as coaches, um, you know, some of the best coaches that I had when I was playing didn't really say anything in, while I was pitching. But as soon as I stepped off the, off the field, just like you were saying, John, with, with Scott Brown, that's when it was the teachable moment. It was right as I stepped into the dugout. It was fresh. And it was right before I was then going to sit down and catch my breath and recover for the next inning so that I could think about it. In my opinion, that is the best time to say something to a pitcher is right after they come off the field, right before they're going to sit down and, you know, get some water, relax before then going out to, to, to the field. Alex, do you, do you agree? Did, did you have that same experience as a player? Oh yeah, absolutely. When I was in, as a, I was primarily a catcher growing up until I got to pitch a little bit in college and then pro ball. But I always tell youth coaches, especially if you haven't told, cause they would always have me go out there and try to pitch and it wouldn't go well uh, when I was a kid. And then that's why I always had to go back behind the plate, but I threw hard and they would, the coach would always yell stuff at me that I've never heard before. And I was like, <laughs> and I remember being like, why, why is he telling me that? Like, that's such a weird, like, I've never heard that. But like, I didn't understand what he was trying to tell me. So make sure those cues you've, you're giving are things you've said before. Like, that sounds simple, that's but a like, great it's point. huge. Like, if you're telling him, like, throw through the catcher, well, what the heck's that mean? Like, if he's never heard that before, it doesn't make sense. Like, okay, what do you, what do you want me to do? Like, hey, stay balanced. I'm stay like, back. That's stay like back. classic. Like, yeah, what do, what, stay back on what? What do you, like, Bend I remember being reach. out there. Yeah, I'm like, I'm pitching once a year here, dude. And then, the, you know, it's like strike out, hit a guy, walk a guy, hit a guy. I don't know. It never ended well. And so if I got out of the inning, it was like a miracle, but it was cause I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to get my body moving towards home, which never made sense. Cause I could like put it on a dime to second base. I was like, why isn't this translating? But I was just up there airing it out and I had no concept of what I was doing. Cause I never had anybody work with me on it until I got older, but it, it say stuff that you've, the kid is familiar with. Number one. Um, number two, I like a lot of what he says about being that anything we, we talk about with like, higher level coaches, it always comes down to being aware, being self-aware, being aware of other people, your interpersonal attunement with other people. Like we talked to our guys about that. Identifying emotions is huge. I'll ask guys how they're doing. They know they can't say fine or okay because those aren't feelings. So they have to tell me how they're doing, like how they're feeling. And so because I want them to learn how to identify their feelings, and this is a big thing for me, for our guys, because we deal a lot with like expectations and recruiting and all that stuff, is until you can, once you identify how you feel, and you identify if is it is there a reason for that, then you can start to control how you feel, and that's huge for for players. Whether it's on the mound, whether it's slowing the game down, whether it's you know being able to control the the time in between pitches, the time in between games. If you can't identify how you feel, well, you're just always kind of in this state of trying to figure things out. So we also tell our players to attune to the pitcher, attune to the the players around them. Is he does he seem off? Do you need to go up and talk to him? Is, he, is are things starting to go fast? And I love watching our guys when they get to that junior, senior year and they've been around each other a bit in the summer because then they can, they've been around each other long enough where they know if a guy's pressing, they know if he's, you know, might be a coach there to see him, might be a big, you know, big moment for him. He needs to slow down. They go and help each other out. And that's really cool because then they've started to take ownership of what's going on and that they're able to control the game and control the flow of everything around them, like hitting the reset button and just those little mental cues that, whether we talked like in pro ball, they always had like the red light, yellow light, green light. Like, are you stepping off the mound, finding your focal point? Are you doing things like that to 
help yourself. Because a lot of the time you get to that, you get to higher levels, it becomes mental. So starting that at a younger age is huge. Can I go, totally. Can I, and one of the thing, one of the things that you said to me in the past that you do with your players is you give them bracelets that says, uh, "This is exciting," mm-hmm. and that has really stood out to me because, um, well, I'm not going to explain it. You do a much better job. Why do you do that? Why do you do that with your players? So I heard a while back that um, we we did this during a tournament. We got our our players always get nervous. I could tell they got nervous or anxious because we started playing in bigger and bigger tournaments, and more and more coaches were there. And um, and we knew that I knew that your anxiety and your excitement were basically the same dopamine release in your brain, just how you perceive it. And so this one guy was I was listening to talked about if you verbalize saying this is exciting your outlook on things change. Like whether, even if it's just coming into this, like I get very nervous about coming into situations like this, but I just told myself like, this is exciting. And all of a sudden my perception changed. So I got all these bracelets made and I gave them to our players and we started saying it and we won this tournament that I would have told you, like if we made it to bracket play, I would have said like, that's going to be a huge deal. And we ended up winning the whole thing and beat really good teams. And we just kept, our guys kept saying, this is exciting. And like, it was kind of a joke at first. And then it became like, it got bigger. The games got bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden we were like, holy, holy cow, we won. And it was like, that was a big part of it was controlling our emotions and just staying in the moment, staying together. Um, but understanding how that works is, is huge. And so, that's, yeah, we have the, this, this is exciting bracelet. That's, that's kind of where that came from. But it's I simple, but it's easy. I, I love that. And John, one of the things that you said earlier is that the Vanderbilt's pitching coach, when their players come off the field, uh, make sure that they check the competitive box in, in terms of was their approach competitive that last half inning. Um, competitive players a lot of times really want to have goals that they're striving for. For pitchers, how important do you think first pitch strikes are? Well, I, th- I think they're really important. Um, something to think about is kind of the law of averages. And so one thing I really focus on with with our guys is making sure that you're ahead after three pitches. So First pitch strikes really important. We try to get guys to sixty five percent first pitch strike first pitch strike percentage. But on top of that is we want to make sure that after three pitches we're ahead in the count. And so the example I use is like casinos in the long run they always win. And so it doesn't matter if Mike Trout is two or one or one two. Well, it does matter because Mike Trout's going to be better two one compared to one two. So if I can get Mike Trout down in the count one two, my odds of success are much better just like casinos always know what their odds are. And so we really try to stress ahead in the count because long-term that's always going to put me in a better position to um, succeed. And really that first pitch strike getting ahead in the count, that's, that's a competitive thing. I think um, I saw a quote, Max Scherzer, he said, working ahead strike strike one is a choice you make when you come to the field. Um, you'll either choose to attack hitters or you won't. And so, and you can tell he, that guy wears his emotions on his sleeves. You know, I said he's, he's yelling at hitters. He's, he's in attack mode all of the time. And so I think if we can teach kids the importance of that and helping them understand just how important that attack mode is, working ahead of guys, and how that will make them more successful in the long run, I think, I think it's a really important thing to stress. And, and it's not to, to yell at hitters to yell at hitters. It's genuine. Like that, that guy 
when he steps on the field, it is because he is ready. He is truly in attack mode. So pitchers, if you're listening to this, I don't want you to take have the takeaway be, well, you just need to yell and scream on the mound. That's not it at all. You need to be who you are on the mound and ensure that you're in that mindset of um, that, that attack mode. Don't try to be someone you're, you're not because it's not going to seem genuine to yourself and it's, it, um, it's not going to go well for you. So John, what are some other goals on the mound uh, besides first pitch strikes and getting ahead um, after three pitches? Well, to kind of tie into that, I, I always try and tell kids, Hey, you, you get that hitter. He's either on base or out in four pitches or less on base or out in four pitches or less. And that's just another way to kind of reiterate, Hey, I'm in attack mode. I'm trying to get this guy out. If he puts it in a play, he puts it in a play. That's fine. We're going to get some or filter some action, but I'm just trying to keep the game moving. You know, baseball players fight boredom and frustration. Those are the two things that they always have to deal with, and that's just part of baseball. And so if I got a pitcher who's up there competing, he's working ahead of hitters, you know, A, there's probably action happening, so my hitter, my fielders aren't bored, right? And probably good things are happening, so we're not we're fighting that frustration. So I try to just let pitchers and catchers included just really try to keep the game moving, be in attack mode, keep things going, and everyone's better for it. Um, I'm sure my inner coach service is coming out when I say stuff like that. Cause I, that's, that is I exactly love, what he stresses. Alex, get your notebook out. <laughs> and then one Order other thing frustration that I wanted to add from what Alex was talking earlier when he talks about cues, you know, Alex says he wasn't a pitcher. Even though I'm sure I saw you throw 85 the other day off the mound and you're, how old are you? Yeah. What was that? <laughs> that was, were you sore the next day? No, no, oh, I, throw geez, a lot. I throw a lot. I throw a lot. No, I ran it up. I ran it up to ninety at uh, DV the other day. Oh jeez! You, been... you hit the ball off the tee. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is ironic because you, when I was a kid, I couldn't. I couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. You. So if you're listening and you have no idea what we're talking about, you need to go <laughs> to um, Swag and Shades at on Twitter, and I don't remember when you posted it, but it was impressive. Uh, uh, one of your players was saying you know how well, he was, he was I, I, so we Did, were we were standing there we were talking about i was talking about his foot placement on something and we always have a ball as a target um down you know, at the other end and so it's sit on a tee and he's like do you still think you could how hard do you think or do you still think you could hit 85 and i was like with no warm-up and he was like yeah and i was like well yeah and so i stepped back and Kicked and well, I hit the ball straight off the tee, and I got off, and it was like the radar gun thing was up there, and I said eighty five, and he was like, "I said you 80, he said eighty five, right?" And it was like sitting there, but it was just kind of it was ironic and funny that I hit the ball off when that's what we always preach in practice. But it, it's different though; like it's kind of one of those things where it's I don't know. Back then, I would have been like, "Holy cow!" Now, having pitched in pro ball, like I kind of expected to hit it, and I probably could hit it about fifty percent of the time now. Like I'm pretty confident I could knock that ball off the tee from 60 feet. Like that's not, you got a bit, you got a big window. I mean, you can hit the ball, you can hit the outside. It's, it's a big target. Like it, to me, I don't know. There you go. So, Spoken like a true pitcher. Like, yeah. I don't well, know where the, that came, when that transition came from trying to hit the broad side of the barn to knocking balls off tees, but he's got to throw more. Well, the point I was trying to make, sorry, got you off of that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when you got that, that guy up there and he's consistently missing in the same spot. So you got a young Alex Hale, He's up there just hucking it and hucking it and hucking it. And he's missing up, missing up, missing up. And then our natural inclination as a coach is to say, like, something we heard as coaches, you know, because I know that that's what you do. And that's what I did when I first started. And I still have to fight that urge where I'm like, stay back or 
bend and reach, you know, things like that. These cues that are unhelpful that we talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, But what's actually really helpful is, hey, why don't I just talk to my catcher and say, hey, catcher, give him a lower target. Yeah. You know, really, really simple things like that as coaches, I think, can be really helpful where, you know, we preach to our pitcher, hey, pitch and location, pitch and location. So now I talk to the catcher, hey, he's missing up consistently. I'll be like, hey, catcher, help him out. You know, and like he knows, okay, he's missed up. I'm aware of that. I'm going to give him a target down in the dirt. And then nine times out of ten, that next pitch is right where we want it to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and that the, making helping pitchers make adjustments like that, I think, is really, really important. If you can start to help pitchers understand how can I adjust when I'm on the mound, how can I make these adjustments on my fly, how can the, how can the catchers help my pitchers make these adjustments rather than me trying to give them some verbal cue that they don't understand, I think can be really, really, really helpful and will save you a lot of frustration and headache. And then eventually, you know, after they come off, maybe you have that conversation. Hey, what adjustment did we make? You know, or did moving the catcher help you? And now the pitchers kind of learn from it. They're more of aware. They're more aware. And when they get in that situation again, hopefully they can make that adjustment on their own quicker. Well, and we, we, t- yeah. we go off. We ask the pitchers a lot when we get them. Like, what did you? What do you work on with your high school coach? What do you work on with your pitching coach? Like. I don't want to start telling you stuff that doesn't make any sense. I want to go with what works for you because obviously that's had helped you have success so far. And so if, if like, what was your high school routine? Did you like that routine? What would you like to keep in that routine? Cause we want guys, we talked about helping pitchers have a routine earlier. And it's like, that's one of the things that we always harp on is like a lot of times guys just don't know what to do. Like, what am I supposed to do if I get there an hour before the game and I'm starting, am I supposed to go hang around BP? Is it okay to go, you know, sit in the shade. Is it okay? It's like they don't know where to go. So let them, let them know what to do and make sure that you're working with them on what works. And work like if they're, if they cruise through the spring and had a great spring, I don't want to get them and go, all right, do these five things differently. Well, that doesn't make any sense. No, you had a great spring. We're going to keep doing what you were doing that made you successful. And so sticking with their routine and helping them be successful is ultimately the goal. Absolutely. And, and coaches, I hope you're, you know, through listening to this episode, you're, you're hearing and understanding that we're really focusing on the approach to pitching, the mental aspects of pitching, because at the youth levels, that is so critically important. Um, it's, it's not so much about having picture perfect mechanics or things like that. A lot of those things um, are byproducts of having a really good approach to pitching and a really good mindset um, when you're out on the mound, uh, one of the things that I want to, because I know a lot of youth coaches wonder this, when should youth players start throwing breaking balls? Well, I think there's a difference between breaking balls on the mound and then learning how to spin a breaking ball. Um, I was listening to Eric Cressy because he's way more advanced than I am. He's a he does he has his own strength performance center, and then I think he did some work with the Yankees. I think he still is, but he was talking about how you know at a young age you can start spinning a breaking ball. You know, just understanding how the wrist works, the grips, you know, how it should spin, how it should come out of your hand. And then if you start doing that a couple of years prior to maybe becoming a full, like more mature, like I'm talking like 13, 14, 12, 13, 14, kind of in that range, depending on where you're at. Now, when you hop on the mound and throw it, you already understand how the, how to spin the ball. And now it's just translating it over to the mound. So I think, you know, you can start this, you know, the basics of curveballs at a young age. Um, but then understanding when to throw in a game, that's kind of a different thing. And like understanding how mature they are, um, how much throwing they're doing. And then 
I still think it's important that we understand like how to throw a fastball well first and not like, cause sometimes I know what happens is like one kid learns a breaking ball and then all of the other little 10 year olds are terrified of it and they can't hit it. And then they keep throwing the breaking ball. And now we don't know how to throw a fastball. So I think there's, there's some helpful tips in there to kind of understand when to start and kind of how to approach starting to throw curveballs. I don't know if you have anything to Tom add Tom or Alex, but that's kind of the approach that I've always taken. Yeah, I would, I would say I agree with that. The thing that I've seen at the younger youth levels is that they're trying to teach players uh, different modifications of breaking pitches that get your, your forearm and your wrist in a position where I would say you, you're not going to use that as you get older. So um, I like what you said in terms of understanding how to spin the, the breaking ball. And I teach that in terms of like the way that you would throw a curveball, the way that you would throw a slider, not, not creating a different kind of pitch, like a football or, or something like that, where players are getting their hands on the, the side of the ball, because then that's what they're learning. That's what they're training their body to do at a young age. And then it's sometimes it's very difficult for them to not get around the ball when they're older and trying to execute breaking pitches. So that's what I would suggest to coaches is teach them how to throw a proper curveball, how to throw a proper slider. Um, but it's your job to really uh, monitor the, the volume and the intensity at which they're, they're throwing those pitches. And, and that goes to, to whether or not you're throwing them in just catch play or in practice or in a game. Um, setting that's that's uh because the players are going to want to do it if it if you have a 10 year old player who can spin a curveball and nobody can hit it that that player is going to throw that curveball and and that's where um that becomes a a little bit of a difficult conversation um if if you if you don't if you're not prepared for it it's not only making sure that the pitcher is ready from an arm health standpoint and just being in pitching shape, but also understanding that the mind needs to be in shape too. So from a confidence level standpoint. So that's one of the things that I always talk to high school guys about is it's not just so much getting your arm in shape. It's also getting your mind in shape because as soon as you go uh, into a tryout setting, you're at that heightened level of excitement. You know what I mean? Where, it's much different than, Oh, I'm throwing a 25 pitch bullpen. It's, Oh, everybody's looking at me. I've, I've got to impress. So your intention intensity is naturally going to increase. So you gotta, you gotta prepare for that before you get to that, that first week of tryouts. So Alex, John, thanks again, guys for, uh, for joining. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks everybody. And, uh, hope you will listen to the next episode of the Bullets and strikes podcast. Have a great week. Hold up, media production.